Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Welcome to Absurdity with Ryan Becker. Hey guys, just before we jump into today's episode, we just want to let you know there is still the giveaway going on until May 1st, so if you want to enter that giveaway for a $50 Amazon gift card, just head on over to iTunes and leave a review, and we will announce those on May 2nd on my Twitter and also on the Absurdity website at theabsurdity.org. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I have one more cool announcement for you, which is that we are officially on Stitcher. I have no idea why I waited so long, but we are on Stitcher, and yes, if you leave a review there, I don't know if they allow that or if they have that feature. Uh, if you leave a review over on Stitcher, and uh, then you are also entered in for that giveaway. So you can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or pretty much now any podcatching app except for the ones that send out to Alexa, which I think is like TuneIn Radio or whatever, but... Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Here is today's episode talking about money, money, money. Hey guys, welcome back to Absurdity. Really glad you're listening. Excited to have you here. This is, uh, we're, we're winding down on our series of live recordings that we did up in Michigan. Uh, if you have no clue, I took a weekend off, went up to Michigan to visit some friends and uh, while I was here, Tony and I recorded a whole bunch of podcast episodes, and you've been listening to the uh, the last few episodes, this one, and um, I believe, though we haven't recorded it yet, um, I believe we're going to have at least one more after this. Uh, I do want to let you know an important announcement. This is now a head massager podcast, uh, because Tony's brother walked into their apartment with a head massager last night, like one of those things that looks like kind of a broken whisk um, that makes everyone, it basically just... It's I'm like, pretty it's like, sure we could end terrorism it's like with a, one of these. <laughs> like, it's it, it's how we're gonna find peace in the Middle East is just by it's basically just a bunch of like really th not thin but but like uh, kind of thin wires with little nubs on the end uh, that you just like push down on your scalp and they expand and it pretty much makes you feel as though you are floating 
Um, this is like a metal drug. That's yeah, what this is it's, is what it is. And there's no and the best part is like you, it's there's no uh, like hangover or like you can just keep using it and then walk away and be like I want it. But but you don't feel bad afterwards. There's there's yeah. just no regrets. I wondered what ASMR was and what the movement was about it, and then I realized that head massages exist, and I don't need YouTube videos to no. give myself ASMR because this is like the king of it. Yeah, or queen. I don't I don't know what gender we would ascribe to a metal broken it. whisk. It but, is beyond gender. Um, I will say these things are like like five bucks or something like that on super Amazon. Cheap. Like yeah. they're super cheap, and Love everyone yourself. should own one. Uh, and then in true Parks and Rec spirit, I will say. Uh, Treat yourself and treat yourself and go get one of these. They are glorious. Uh, I, I think we just ran into a copyright infringement. No, I, I, fair use. All right, That's, fair. That is true. Fair use. I will. I will say this. I am definitely a hundred percent sure um, that my wife is going to have one of those. My future wife, wherever she is out there, like she's going to have one of those, and she's going to be like, "Oh," and that's the moment I'm going to know. Like that in my head is my like Cinderella Disney moment where she like walks in. We've been on a few dates and, and she's like, uh, oh, you know, we should have like a group party in my apartment. So I show up and there's a bunch of people there and she's like, oh, yeah, here's my head massage. And she just puts it on my head. And then I'm like, this is the one I got to find a ring like or a watch, whatever. So we've updated Tony's Tinder profile to say uh, must have do not care about looks, must have head massager. That's, That's- basically it. The personality in a head massager. I really, at the end of the day, <laughs> when you're 80 years old, that's all I want. That's that's the Just two, things, to your head? The yeah, two okay. things that will last the test of time. Head yeah. massagers and, and conversations. So if this, we're not sponsored by, I don't even know the companies that make these things. I, I think it's like, I think it's as nebulous as like fidget spinners and fidget cubes. Like you've no idea like what every, everyone makes these things pretty it much. It could be. I don't know enough about them. There yeah, could be I, one I company. I have no idea. That makes it. And it's like in Morocco or something. Why, why Morocco? I don't It's fun to say. I got to be honest. It's okay. one of the more fun. Like if I'm making, a, like I've, I've written a few like screenplays and scripts and stuff. And I always try to put in Morocco. That's like my little homage to. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, you know so, like like Ron Howard always has <laughs> like his own family members, and Michael Bay always has an explosion, and yeah, there's always like a shooting star. Like that, that would be mine. That would be well, mine. It's like there's always Morocco and head massagers now. So for those of you that are still listening, we thank you for still listening. Uh, as today we're going to talk about finances, uh, and if you haven't gotten the clue, uh, the, the 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 title, money, 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 money is actually a song that I cannot... I don't know if I can actually sing it. Um, I think if we sing it, we're okay. But if like I... I think yeah, yeah, but I can't played, play the track. I can't play the track. Yeah, if we yeah, played yeah. the track... But I don't want to sing it. But we can be... Like, because, you want me? I can... Money, 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 money. Money. All right, see, so that's why we do a podcast, and we are not musical artists. I have a uh, face for radio. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, a voice for... Um, uh, what do I want to say? The silent film, yeah. Film, oh, yeah, yeah, voice for silent films. Silent for silent fi- yeah. yeah. I have the voice of uh, a mime. So, yeah, you have a voice for miming. That is that is accurate. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about money today. Um, it's it kind of a... This one's touchy uh, because you need money to do stuff, uh, kind of, if you're a church, uh, to really do anything, even to meet together. You need money um, because it costs money to get to church. 
uh, unless you walk, in which case, congratulations. Although time is money, so even that, yeah, time is money. It would still so be. money, money is one of those things where money is actually in 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 the Bible. It's amoral, right? Like there's money itself is just money. It's whatever value is ascribed to it. But but um, Scripture says, I think the the root or, or the the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And so uh, the way we want to talk today about kind of the way we ask for money, the way we handle money, the way we talk about money uh, in our churches. Uh, in church services, uh, you may have seen some of these, and if you think of any examples, you can write into us and let us know. Please do, yeah. Uh, so we can come back to this. Um, but we're just going to talk about money um, and and all the ways that we handle it. Some are good, I think. Some are bad, and I think there are good things happening, and I think there are bad things happening. Um, Tony, so let's let's kind of I, I've introduced it. Give me some of your sure. kind of initial thoughts. Well, like it's interesting you you brought up like some are good and some are bad because. Um, we spend a lot of time kind of critiquing, um, especially when we get on, like there's an issue. It's like, all right, we've got to address this issue and talk about it. Usually it's not a positive issue. Usually if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but I think we do a lot of things well with money. I think like one of the biggest things, and we constantly talk about it, which is the a, a thing that I'll critique later, but is, is the issue of tithe. I mean, we can support a world church. I think we do that really well. Um, I don't know if people know how the finances of the Seventh-day Adventist Church work, but basically, you know, we're able to support some some of the big parts of the world um, are not self-sustaining. They don't have economies. The people, the the economies of the places are not uh, strong enough uh, to support, um, especially because of the power dynamics um, and the people who end up becoming Seventh-day Adventists in that area. They are not the ones who are the wealthy landowners. And so... um, the gospel just wouldn't be able to go out if we did not have the financial structure that we have. We wouldn't be able to support pastors. We wouldn't be able to support missions and missionaries. Um, And so I think that's awesome. I think we do a very good job of doing that. And I know there are a lot of people who complain about, you know, the the kinks along the way and uh, maybe some of the investments that are done. But overall, um, I think I think it is done quite well. So that's the well, first thing. But I think on a grander well, sorry, go ahead. I was just say that there's definitely pros and cons to our system. If you have no idea how tithe works, uh, all your money doesn't stay in your church. Uh, the money that you put in your offering plate, if it's for offering, yes, absolutely, you can mark where it goes. But if it's marked as tithe, it goes up the ladder through the conference. I think it goes all the way up to the division and then trickles back down. Um, it's actually the GC, so yeah, every division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so d- so it goes all, all the, the way up and then it trickles back down. So there are small. If your church has like. 15, 20 people and has a pastor, it's because of other churches that are yeah. tithing well. Yeah. Um, it's because the bigger churches tithe. If a big church stops tithing, there are smaller churches that cannot keep operating. And in, and in irony, because our, our church, our denomination was started in, <laughs> in the United States. It's a very communistic type of system. It's a very, not quite socialist, but, but kind of everyone um, is support everyone supports each other, yeah. um, which is beautiful. It really is because those it's it's very it's a throwback to uh, the way that the Israelites ran everything. The Levites were completely supported by the tribes of Israel. Um, they were supposed to be in any case, and it's and it goes back to the early church. You know, everything had uh, everyone had in common. Um, what's sad, I think, is that uh, the recent statistics say that only about forty percent. Um, of the church in North America um, actually tithes. And what's crazy is if we could, we could add 20% to that. Um, I mean, we could, we could do so much more yeah, um, all around the Absolutely. world. And again, I understand that a lot of people 
Um, they want to keep it there. It's it's hard to give in trust, and this is not about tithe, and and all you know that I do think there's a blessing to get from it. But I understand it's it's you're essentially just giving your money to somebody else and saying, here, take ten percent of what you know I earned, um, and that's a hard instinct. Um, yeah. It's it's not natural. So that's what we do well. I think though the issue, I think we have a lot of issues with the reputation of what the church has. And I think that's kind of why we need to address this, because if we were doing it completely right, if there was no bad reputation as Christians and as yeah. Seventh-day Adventists, um, we wouldn't need to talk about it. And so one of the big things I think that frustrates me is the way we go about asking. Um, I think we, we can do better. Nope, not at all. I disagree. <laughs> I think we do it perfectly. <laughs> So one of the one of the things I was a pastor for for three years uh, before I came up here, and uh, up so, here being seminary, seminary you, Michigan, who, literally up like here, like it's yeah. I didn't realize how far east Michigan is because I'm up into the to the east of yes. Texas, and I I still for some reason think Michigan is like where Minnesota or Montana is, but it's anyway. Uh, so I came out to the Great Frigid North to be a student and to learn at the feet of the masters. At the Seventh Avenue Seminary. And Wait, so, but I'm not at seminary yet. How can you? Well, yeah, but we're doing this. So, oh, okay, okay, yeah. fair. And to, the couch is lower than your chair, so I am kind of at your feet. Um, <laughs> so, I I came up here before though, and and I've grown up in the church. My dad was a pastor um, ever since I was born. Um, before I was born, he was a pastor, but I was born with my dad being a pastor, so I have a lot of experience. Um, in a lot of churches, he was uh, at, at conference level, so I traveled around a lot. I have seen and been to and uh, sat in a lot of different meetings and churches and worship services. And so I have a pretty, I feel like I have a pretty healthy, balanced view um, of how we do it as a whole as a church, and then also like what the average, the mean experience is. Um, and so what we generally do is we have somebody who's not good at being up front go up and read a card. And I don't know if you've ever heard somebody read who's not a reader um, and not good at being up front, but it is one of the most painful experiences you can ever have. And and I love these people. Like, when I was a pastor, I knew my deacons. Like, Imagine. That was a huge part of who I was, was knowing my leaders. And I loved them. They were amazing men. They would give you the shirts off their back do not put them up front. Do not imagine put them like up front. like imagine if you were being held hostage and you had to read your ransom note. This is to, basically to, it. to like the to the same camera. amount of stress. Yeah, like like that's what it sounds like. And that's sweat. that's that's what it ends up sounding like. Like um, it's 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 and on top of it. that, the cards the cards typically aren't even that personal. Well, and and, and this is and what, I'm fine with the cards existing. Don't get me wrong, because yeah, a lot I, of conferences will send out. Like I had to write for my conference. Um, I had to write uh, uh, an offering appeal. Um, that will be read probably within the next couple of months at, uh, across the conference. And it's for churches who, yeah, there are small churches and big churches that just don't have the time or the resources yeah. to write their offering appeals. And so and it's a great is, resource. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it is good because, again, you want to be able to give something. And that is something. There are things that are made easier. I just don't think that by having that, and, and you want people who aren't good up front to be able to have some things to do with that, However, I don't think asking for money is one of those places because this is what I would hear on a consistent basis, and I've heard it a lot. It's a, it's, it's a variation of this. Bill is a bad uh, 
spender of money. He doesn't save his money. Um, he doesn't value things. He doesn't really love um, God. Uh, so he doesn't give tithe or offering. Don't be like Bill, right? And obviously that's a harsh example. It's a, it's a very stark example. However, the reality is like that's kind of what it, it boils down to a lot of the times is, is this negative example or something that's completely a non sequitur and is like over in Brazil there was a flood and people got hurt. Give your tithes so that we can help them. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? Like, hold on. That is that what it goes? Is that the particular? And so a lot of times you kind of get these non sequiturs, and they'll read it by the way in that monotone voice. Like it is not, it's not done with like a radio. Like we're in the land where there's a flood. Like there's well, nothing and it's, like that. It's worse when like it's going to like summer camp or something, and the yeah. summer camp has this like obscure name that no one knows how to pronounce. Camp Yeah, and they and it's like Camp Wanahakalugi. And it's it, like, it feels, and they don't know how to say it, and they just kind of stumble through. It's like, it's like Bible names. It's like Bible names are a third grade spelling bee, where it's like, uh, like you see the panic hit, and and here's and, here's the problem: you're not going to get anyone to give money that wasn't already going to give money. If your goal is to get people to give more money, chances are the people that give, especially the people that give large amounts, were already planning yeah. to give that yeah. money. Like you didn't even have to have someone read. For them to know. Now they might because they know what the topic is. Like, oh, it's a youth. The money this 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 week is going for youth yeah. ministry. All right, cool. Like, I'll, I want to give more to that because I my kids are in youth ministry or whatever. Like, I get that. That that's different. Um, but it's basically it it comes across and and we're not ragging on people who can't yeah, read. L- 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 this yeah. is a system issue, not a this poor is not readers a personal, issue. This is not. And again, this is not a critique on my deacons. They were wonderful guys who should never have been put in that position. They should never have been put in that position. They did it because it was tradition. Yeah, that's just the way we've done it, and I, and I think that's a ridiculous. It's an absurd reason to do that. I hate you. Um, stop. <laughs> people are gonna stop listening if it, we keep I'll saying tell you absurd. What, I'll tell you what. It, if after this episode, people write in and they're like, "Can you stop saying absurd?" I will stop, but I am going to keep saying it until I am told not to. So contact me at Tony underscore nobly at on, on Twitter. DM me. Okay, so. Um, this is not a critique against them. This is a systemic issue. And that's why I think we need to kind of revamp the entire system because not only does that you, okay. So the people who aren't going to give are not going to be convinced by it. The reputation, the number one critique I constantly hear and constantly read and I'm constantly inundated by outside of, um, the, the Christian world is that Christianity is a scam. Um, you're dumb for believing in it, and it's a scam. And this is the reality. A large portion of the evangelical community is not this way, but a small portion is where you have ministries that are, shall we say, financially centered. Um, And I don't mean like Dave Ramsey or Financial Peace. I mean they will get on, say, television and say, we would love to share this truth with you, this truth of God's blessing uh, for for four simple payments of thirty nine yeah. ninety five. I want to share this with you. Televangelists well, kind of ruined it for well, all of us. Well, clearly you don't know what sharing is. And then you'll hear about pastors who buy a huge home. And, and you don't get the backstory that, oh, they bought it with five other families or they're using it as a... Um, no, you just hear, oh, they bought a you know $2 million home. And immediately all the people who aren't Christian go, well, yeah, because it's a scam, because they're constantly asking for your money. And 
when, and there are there are scams. There are, yeah, don't there get are. Me wrong. We're not we're not saying every um, facet that's ever spent an absorbent amount of exorbitant amount of money yeah. is clean. Uh, but there's, I, and there, there's a reason for that reputation. They're not doing it just because they hate us. There have been pastors. I mean, I know of three instances by myself of people who embezzled more than thirty grand. Yeah. Um, you know, I I watched those situations unfold. I was very lucky to not been personally involved in it, but I watched it happen. And so I know that like this is a it's a legit rep that we have that we need to be able to address. And I think one of the ways we do it is by being more intentional. Um, one of my ins I can't really call him a mentor because he's been dead for almost two hundred years. But one of my huge inspirations for ministry is a guy called George Miller, um, or Mueller. And he was a, a German dude who came to the United or the United States, the United Kingdom. Um, England uh, in the 1800s, and he had uh, a series of orphanages. He started with one, and he opened up a, f- a couple others. And his uh, his whole thing was he never asked anyone for money. He just said, God, we need food, and we need milk, and we need to pay the bills. Mm. Um, he did it for the building. Like, th- from the start of his ministry, he never asked for anything. And I just was, I'm just blown away that by that amount of faith. And, and it just made me reevaluate. And I'm not saying every ministry needs to do this, but I think that's the mentality we should have. We ought to have that mentality. Um, and my reason for, for kind of bringing that is this question. Why do we ask for money? I've asked that so many times. So, Ryan, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but, like, why do we ask for money? Because we want money. Yeah, right? Like, we, we want money. Oh, I was kidding. But yeah, no, that like we do. We want money. My Money makes things happen. And that's exactly it. We right? need money. If we're in a building and we have to pay a mortgage off, we have to pay electrical bills. Like, we have to, uh, we have to replace an air conditioning unit that just broke. We have to fix our thermostats. We have to fix the bathrooms. We have to upgrade the bathrooms to meet ADA standards. We have to buy new chairs because our chairs are falling apart and members are getting hurt. We need to redecorate because the... Sanctuary hasn't been updated in 40 years, and everything and is And you're just faded. talking about maintenance issues. You're not even talking about, like, expanding ministries or anything like nope. that. And all this is in addition to tithe. None of that is addressed it's covered by tithe. By tithe. tithe, tithe pays your pastor, basically. That's it. And, right? other, and everyone's pastor and, and yeah. ADRA and different stuff like that. But it does I'm not saying as far as anything. it comes back to yeah. your local church, yeah. it mainly funds that's, your that's pastor. It. Yeah, tithe, tithe is your pastor. Maybe so, we're wrong. Someone can, but I don't. No, I don't know no, that no, we're no, wrong. I don't think no, I'm wrong. But someone no, can. Hit. That's it. That's the only thing yeah. that does come back is is for your pastor's salary, which is which is a good thing. Don't get me like I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying in, in addition to tithe, in addition to ten percent, there's also these costs, and we're not talking about expanding ministries. We're not talking about paying for you know renting out stuff or or um, you know uh, getting getting clothes for a drive or anything like that. We're not talking about any of that stuff. This is just maintenance. And here's the ridiculous thing, though. Does God need our money? Yes. Yes, Tony. He absolutely... No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, he doesn't. I mean, God doesn't need our money to get you, his You guys work can't done. see it because, again, it's on the radio, but his face was so sarcastic. Like, <laughs> yes, I, it's Tony, hard for me not to laugh. Of course he does. I'm trying really hard. Uh, no, he, does, he doesn't need our money. Um, and the other half of it is... When I when I think about that, all right, if ten percent is only tithe, right? If I'm only tithing ten percent, and the rest of that money has to come out, suddenly after, a I've already got taxes being taken out, right? Health insurance taken out, which for some families is incre- and is an incredibly large amount of money, 
or they're not spending it on health insurance and they're just praying that they never get sick or injured because they can't afford to get sick or injured, right? Um, so, and then you're talking about 10% of, of your tithing or your income for tithe, and then now five to 10% more just an offering. Like you're talking about, uh, depending on church size and, and, and across different situations, like if you, if you break it down for some people, depending on how generous you are or how generous you want to be, not how generous you are, just how generous you want to be in this specific area. I think everyone is, is very generous. They're just very generous in different ways. Um, and if someone wants to be financially generous to the church, they could be looking at giving some upwards of 20, 30%, 40% of their income just to church-related activities. And that, to me, says uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, it raises red, not red flags, yellow flags for me. Uh, it, might red, red, may, it may raise red flags for you, but it raises uh, yellow flags for me to just say, hey, if we're asking people for that kind of commitment, we need to be incredibly responsible. Yeah. Uh, with how we use that money yep. on the system end. And and the big thing that that comes down to for me is financial transparency. And it yep. bugs me that there are churches... If you're a member of a church, you have every right to know where that money's going. Yep. I Like, if you're a member of my church and you want to know what money is going where, you should have every right to know because you're giving that money. Mm-hmm. You are funding the ministries that happen. And if you don't like it, you should have a say in where your money goes. I mean, I wouldn't come in with that tone or attitude... But I no, agree no, that no, they no. have yeah, that yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like you 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 absolutely have that right. And and beyond that, I think you have a responsibility to know where that is. Like take ownership of it. I think one of the things I struggle with a lot were I had I had people who gave of their time and people who gave of their money, and rarely did I have both. And it was like yep. I would love if people who gave of their time because they couldn't give, you know, money, they did not have the money, they would if they could. I would love if the people who did give their money also give their time, you know, and took ownership. Like as a pastor, I was more than willing. I didn't know what the book said because I'm a pastor purely because I can't do numbers. God called me into that because I don't do numbers. I You you hand me an Excel spreadsheet and I look at it and go, hmm. Adventism was the wrong me, denomination for you. Yeah, you like can't do numbers. You, you literally, I don't know how I passed Daniel in Revelation class. I'm like, there's 1844 and... 2,300 20, days, 1,260, uh, I don't know, uh, so many numbers. Arithmetic, I can't count. <laughs> Brainy hurt. And so, but I was more than willing to go through the books with you. And I and I did a couple of times. I used to, I worked um, pretty consistently with our treasurer. Um, and again, she had to kind of, you know, woman-splain everything to me because dum-dum, no, no, what six plus eight mean. But at the same time, I was willing to go through any of my members who were like, what are we doing with this? And I'm like, that's a great, thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. I would have loved it. Rarely did we have that ownership. And we really need to, you have that right and that responsibility to, and I'm not adding things to your plate. Nor am I saying, saying go to your pastor or your treasurer. Yeah. Chances are, chances are if money is being, like it's not solely the pastor's decision, the treasurer's decision. It's not any one person's decision where money is going. So you getting angry at one person for yeah. money being spent in an area was likely a committee decision. So I'm not, you're right. You, I'm yeah. not saying you should have that attitude. And, and the budget but. is, is, is meant to be, that's why we have our church business meeting. And I know everyone groans when we have that and like eight yeah. people show up, but the church and business session is to approve the budget. That's why it's about being transparent. Absolutely. And the problem is like, we kind of, we just, 
Like, okay. Whatever. I will say, if someone isn't at the business, like as a pastor, if you don't show up to the business meeting where we vote this stuff and we've announced it for months and we've reminded you and reminded you and you don't come because you just forgot or something, I'm going to be less inclined to want to listen to your complaints later. I, I will still listen and also take them into account, but I'm like, you had every every chance yeah, it's definitely in the back to talk of your with head. me about this. Yeah. Why didn't you? Um, and that's frustrating. Like, it's really frustrating to me when I when I do try to be transparent and then someone... Tells me, oh, well, you're not because I wasn't at that meeting. And, and you're at the meeting. <laughs> you try so hard to not let those biases affect you as a, as a minister. You know, like I really did. Like I really tried to to take everyone without that, like just yeah. to receive them kind of at face value. And obviously you can't. Everyone has their own ulterior motives for things, um, whether it's, you know, malicious or not. It, it, it can be positive or negative. Um, but they, we, we all have that. And so you, you try as, but as much as you can, I would have people who never helped, like say at our school, like we would make a decision on something with the school and people who never show up at the school would show up to this meeting and rail against this change we're making. And we're like, we're here every single day. You've shown up. This is the first thing this year you've shown up to, you know, it, it, it does. It stays in the back of your head. Absolutely. Um, which is all to say, you know, I think we need to, and, and I think here's why. If we address how we ask for money better, I think we will get more people into it. Because the first thing is, like, I don't believe that God needs our money to get the ministry done. I think the reason why we ask for money is because it's the, the quickest and easiest way to get people invested in something. Um, it's like a jump start. It's meant to jump start your ownership, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I think every time I baptize somebody as a senior pastor, I was unfortunately not able to baptize anyone in my church. I was very happy to hand it off to our senior pastor. He was a wonderful man. Um, it, it was a partnership, and I really appreciated our, our time together um, and the respect that he gave me. Um, and so he, he they asked him to do the baptisms. I had no problem with it. Um, but one thing I would have done if I had been up there is I would have looked at the person who was getting baptized, looked at the congregation and said, look, every cent that these people gave invested in you. They are invested in you as a person, financially, time-wise. And, but every cent that someone gives, um, tithe or otherwise. And I mean, there's an old school you know, mentality of, well, tithe is, you know, you're returning to God. Okay, you're giving it. Even if it's giving it back, you are still giving it. It's a sacrifice. You're still letting it go, yeah. Yeah. Um, really, that's just so, a perception thing that makes giving easier it, 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 on Yeah, you. yeah it gives it easier because you. you are giving it, quote-unquote, back, which is awesome, but you are giving it. And so the point for me, at least with that, is I would have looked at those baptisms and say, guys, this is why we give. This is the most important thing. Now you stay invested. So no pressure if you're baptized because yeah. you've just... You know, if you leave the church, you've wasted thousands of dollars dedicated dedicated to <laughs> baptizing you. Yeah, you should totally feel guilty as well. And then put your hand over their mouth and dunk them and baptize them. Just, just hold them down a little bit so they know how much was invested. <laughs> one, 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 one just, second for every have dollar. The, have the struggle just a little bit, not a lot, no, just a little I, bit. No, I, but I think that's the So point. the way you do it is is important, and I think financial transparency is big, but we're talking about better ways to do it, right? We're not saying that the way we do it is completely evil, I don't think. No, uh, I, I just think that it was for a different time, and I think we can improve upon it. Yeah, so see, one of the things that some churches do um, is they'll put up their entire budget. Um, not, And when I say budget, I don't mean um, 
I don't mean just like, this is how much we need to bring in this month. Some churches do that, and then they say, this is how much we've brought in this month, how much more is needed. Some churches do that. What I'm saying is some churches in the back will post up on like the bulletin board or something in their lobby, um, literally a full breakdown of all the ministries, everyone's budget that's left, like where all the money is going. That is financially transparent. I also happen to think that going that far is a mistake. The reason being, even your smallest churches are usually operating with some sort of budget over $10,000. Your smallest churches are, are have to work with budgets that are over $10,000, usually over $20,000, but right, yeah. I, 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 there may be a church out there that operates with less, but I mean, just, just, just to make bills. Um, and so... Unless you, you, unless you don't have, like, unless your building is completely paid off and you're in a remote, yeah. you know, county that doesn't have, like, fees, yeah, maybe you can get away well, with, with less, but rarely... And the problem with putting all of that information out there without any context is that there are people that walk in, whether visitors or members, who only see big numbers that they don't see in their own bank accounts, and then they wonder, oh, well, why isn't that money going here? Or why isn't this window fake? Or why isn't this if we have all this money here? And you're like, because something could break and we need it. Like, the money is already reserved for specific things. Or they don't understand that if someone donates and puts a specific thing on there, we have to put it there legally because it's a donation. Um, They don't understand, uh, for example... um, one of my churches, our chairs were so old, we had li- they were literally breaking on people. And we've got like a, if if you have an, a, a more elderly person sitting in a chair that's going to break, that's a, yeah, that's not good. that's a that's a safety issue. A, a hip so breaking. Guess is, what? We're going to drop Enzo, yeah. some cash on chairs. And if you don't understand why, you just see that we spent X amount of dollars on chairs. You'd be like, oh wow, we just spent money on new chairs. Like that's it. There's no why, why are we spending that money on on better things? It's kind of like uh, Judas when uh, when the woman washes Jesus' feet with the with uh, ointment, yeah, the oil, or with the, yeah. with the nard Mary and, and oil, nuts, yeah. and he's like, "Wow, that money could have been gone. Uh, that, that, that was a year's worth of wages that could have gone somewhere else better." And yeah, our hearts are in the right place, but we need to understand context. So, financial transparency. What I'm talking about is being honest with your members about where their money is going and why, not just saying, "Here's where your money's going. Have a great day." But here's where your money's going, and where's the value they're getting out of it? How is it being used? Where is it going, and why is it going there? And and I think one of the reasons why this is so important and why we do need to talk about it is because um, church, and especially the way we do evangelism, tends to lend itself as a, I don't want to say money scheme, but it does tend to lend itself in that way where why are we growing? Um, As we grow membership, in a cynical view, we grow our tithe base. Yeah. And it sounds horrible to say that. That's not why you do it. That's not the motivation. It should not be. I I take that back. It shouldn't be. In a perfect world, it's not. Um, According to the true method, it's not. Um, But a cynical person will look at that and say, oh, well, that's why they want a megachurch. There's certain ministries out there and ministers out there. And again, I, I... this isn't about calling any one person out. This is about trying to, to do something better. But there are certain ministries out there that they straight up say, oh, well, if you give me this money, if you take this faith step, um, God's definitely going to reward you with financial success. And it's like, no, I, I hate to say it. God doesn't really care about you having money on earth. Um, he'll give you whatever you need to survive. He'll absolutely do that. He'll make sure you're taken care of. But he's not interested in making sure your 401k 
does well. He's not interested in making sure you have a balanced portfolio in stocks and bonds. Plan for you, like yeah, in that area. no, for sure. And if I'm you're not saying money that, because of God's blessing. It's probably because God wants you to do something very specific with that money. And I'm not saying that God hates rich people. Understand? I'm not saying that either. Owning a Beamer doesn't make you the devil. However, because the devil drives a caddy, we all know this Cadillac guy. Um, I just got it. I don't. I have no idea what kind of trouble. If you own a Cadillac, I'm kidding. Um, but the reality is like. God is not interested in you having money. He's interested in you getting into heaven. He is not going to bring about financial success if, it, if it's the cost of your soul. That's why he said to the rich young ruler, you need to give this up. He didn't say that to Nicodemus. He didn't say that to Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. Um, he didn't say it that wasn't to a blanket prescription yeah, for it wasn't salvation. A prescription. It was to that one man. And he, and he, but he does say it's harder for a rich guy to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Because you have to give up. Not that you're not willing, but it's hard. Um, if you have, it's hard to give up. And and so you get this perception of church being a scam that happens when if you aren't transparent. And again, that's why I think we need to ask more. I absolutely... I don't, you know, I, I there was... Um, I, I can't remember who it was. Well, I'm, I'm going to wait. Hopefully my brain... Kicks in again. Go, Ryan, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I absolutely, like, I, if you're a member of a church and you ask about finances, uh, this actually happened to a friend of mine. He gave, he was a, a teacher, gave students a, 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 he wanted to teach them about church finances, so he gave them a uh, project that involved them asking their churches some questions about the, about the church budget. And these are students who are members of the church. And when asked... Or when 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 asked, the churches refused to divulge any information, and that scares me. Um, that absolutely scares me. If you're in a church where you're a member and you're a tithe paying member, like it's scary. If you're not allowed to see where your money is going, um, that that's incredibly scary to me. I'm not saying run away from that church. However, I will say you can tithe directly through the conference too. Um, I, I genuinely like. It, I'm not saying. Now here's here's the, here's the catch. I am yeah. not saying that any church that doesn't divulge its financial information is scamming or using the money for nefarious ends. Yeah, I'm just saying it's a matter of accountability, in my opinion. It's a matter of faithful stewardship, and it's a matter matter of fiscal responsibility to your investors. Yeah, that you make it clear what's going on, where money's going. There's, and there's ethics involved, Absolutely. And, and again, as Christians, our ethics are way higher. Like we have a way higher um, bar, like a standard that's set for us. And beyond that, I, I will add to what you said. Not every church that isn't fiscally um, transparent is scamming. I will say every church that has had money embezzled has not been financially transparent. I will say that. Yeah, that's, all, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, Not everyone that does it is doing it. However, everyone that has done it has been in that sense, if that makes any sense. So... It's a yellow flag, like you said. Like that's all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when you come in, and that was something I addressed when I was a pastor, and I tried so hard to try to make things better. And and unfortunately, people are just used to the way of, they've done things. You know, they always have done things, and and I'm okay with that. I worked with them. Um, context. You know, you have to work with the context of the people you're at. And it wasn't a hill I was willing to die on, but i made sure that we were as financially fiscal as possible yep. uh, uh financially uh, uh transparent as possible you know um i talked to our treasurer and said hey how can we help you know make this you know 
better? How can we come up with a better system? Uh, we came up with a, with a, a drop box, like a lock box to put mm-hmm. the stuff in, like all these types of things so that, you know, policy, when you do that type of stuff, it protects you. It really does. And, and again, I go back to, you know, I don't even like handing out the money, you know, the, the little baskets. I don't like that. Um, in, in my perfect world, there's a chest or a drop box in the front of the church. And um, you tell everybody as you leave or as you come in, um, there's the drop box. It's there. But it's what if very someone picks obvious. up the drop box and runs away? No, no, no. Like it's anchored into the wall. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, it's like a, okay. it's like a, okay. it's like a, it's like a heavy safe. Do you have like one of those giant old metal, like pirate chest keys? I'm okay with that. It? Like, that'd be awesome. Um, that's my personal aesthetic <laughs> choice, but, but either way, like there's something there that's permanent. It's there. People know about it. Just say, look, you know, if you feel like you've been blessed today, we would love for you to give. Or, um, you know, for those of you who want to return tithes, you know, to God or to give you tithes, it's right there. I got to be honest. I do all my electronically. Like it's deducted automatically. I um, wish mine was deducted automatically, but I do do mine. I and, do do mine electronically. And so it's like, it's just, you know, that's where the future is. Beyond that, we won't even talk about that. Like the future is all electronic. However, I will say that like, you know, if you want to give, if you want to give cash or whatever, you have some extra, you know, returns. Um, you know, have something like that instead mm-hmm. of instead of making it very public. Don't do it in the middle of your service. There's nothing that breaks up the flow of worship more and having someone come in. This is where we get involved. You know, you have an opportunity to get involved. No, you should have been involved at the beginning. Yeah. If you're not getting your, your audience and congregation involved at the beginning, you, that's a whole, you're halfway into the service. It breaks up the flow and makes it, um, you know, remind them at the beginning and then remind them at the end if you have to do it. There's to me, I just think there's better ways to do it. I'm not saying to do it my way. I'm saying I you am, need to look. Everyone at must it. do it Tony's way. Uh, you can find Tony at the Dubloon Seventh Day Adventist Church, where every <laughs> Sabbath morning at 11 a.m. they raise the sails for Jesus, uh, because he's going to be pastoring a pirate-themed church. That's what we've decided on today's episode of Absurdity. Thank you guys so much for listening. Pieces of eight. No. <laughs> Well, and here's here's and we talked about this. Um, this is a big one. Long elder but silver. If you are not careful with the way you, you, as a church, if we're not careful with how we ask for money, use our money, otherwise, honestly, at a base level, your church ends up becoming a pyramid scheme, like straight up. If you think of a pyramid scheme, where who benefits from a, from a pyramid scheme? Uh, the, the people at the top. The people yeah. at the top, right? Yeah. Um, and what you do if, as a person from the top is you get people below you to use their friends and family as their market. Once you bring those friends and family into the business exactly. and you turn them into using their friends and family uh, as their market, that's that's a pyramid scheme. And, and the promise is that they will benefit from being a part of your business while you benefit from the financial investment of yeah. all of those people. I mean, essentially you have one person getting a bunch of people to buy from them. Yep. Um, and the difference between a pyramid scheme and, say, a business is um, in, a, in a business, you are providing a product. In a pyramid scheme, you are provide the people are the product. Yeah. Well, and, and, and in church, spirituality is supposed to be the product, but if you're not careful, you end up saying that people are the product. I would go further and say I think it transformed life. Well, yeah, yeah. By but Jesus I mean, Christ. Yeah. But yeah, that's spiritual, yeah. Basically, a spiritual sure. life. Yeah, yeah. A spiritual life. Um, and, and it's semantics. I, get, I think at that point, 
Uh, well, I, but, just, I just think the spiritualism. No, is, you just wanted a, to one up me. Word. You just wanted to one up me. I Don't just had lie to, to me. You, 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 you've been uh, so, <laughs> so mean. No, I'm I my pirate church. Like, so, so if you think about the tithe system, where if I'm only paying my tithe, and I'm asking, and you're so, and the pastor is getting paid from that tithe, and then um, the pastor is telling you bring your friends to church, and then when your friends become members, we're telling them they should be giving money. The pastor keeps getting paid. Now, granted, in the Adventist church, and I do believe this is a pro of our system, uh, to to a certain extent, I think it's a pro. Pretty much no matter what size yeah. church you're pastoring or how many churches you're pastoring, you're getting paid the same amount. Like, we avoid the mega church pastor thing. I do and, think— And even in administration, my dad reached the highest you can get paid, and he was getting, I think, like $75 more a pay period— yeah, than, it's than, not than a senior pastor yeah. of his age. Now, I will say there's a little bit of like I do think it should be scaled differently for different sizes to some extent. That's why I say to a limit, um, because someone pastoring a five thousand member church is doing a lot more work typically than uh, than I'm doing in a fifty member church. Uh, I mean, it also depends on the church, but yeah, 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 it, it, yeah it could there's be a, limit. a little bit different, there, and it is adjusted but, for cost of living. But if you're not but, careful, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's across the board. It's fairly simple. You don't have like say. A, a Doug Bachelor or Dwight Nelson. Well, Doug Bachelor has his own independent ministries, but you don't have like Dwight Nelson or, um, you know, Randy Roberts on Loma Linda, um, Carl, um, uh, he's had in Kettering, Hafner. Uh, Carl Hafner. They are not making more money than a, a senior pastor at a small church. Who's been um, pastoring for the same amount of time. Who's been pastoring for the same amount of time. And you definitely their, work your way up age. a pay scale. Yeah. You Absolutely. can work your way up. Like, but there's, a, there's a cap. Me, and at a certain point, everyone's there's a cap. That. Like I said, my dad reached that cap um, yeah. a few years ago. And he was the president of a conference. He was working at a union. And again, he was 75. It was like ridiculous the amount of money. He was not making hardly was any more the, money. The amount of money he wasn't making was absurd. It was absurd. It was it absurd. Was ridiculous. Um, um, so yeah, if, 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 you're not, if you're not being responsible with your money financially, I can absolutely see why that looks like a pyramid scheme. Like at its base level, that's kind of what it is. And that's... Understand when I say pyramid scheme, I'm not being cynical and like trying to say it is one. Right. I think we're. I. It, it's similar to. Usually, people that run a pyramid scheme like know they're running a pyramid scheme and are doing it intentionally. Um, in other words, they don't. They don't usually believe in the products they're selling. Uh, they're. They just know they're scamming and making money. I was going to say, I. I Multi level marketing is is scam is is yeah. a scam, right? Yeah. Uh, now there are atheists and and people of other religions who think that Christianity is a scam. I tend to disagree from the inside. I am very genuine in what I do and what I believe, um, and I do believe that a transformed life is a real, tangible thing. And there's and, no there's no dollar price tag you can put on it. Yeah, I mean that is invaluable. So I'm not, and, and we're not saying like that means you should not have a dollar figure to what you give. Give what you feel inclined and 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 and, and compelled to do by the Spirit, but. Um, I do think we need to be more responsible with how we talk about money, how we handle money, and how we ask for money. I really hate, I, I genuinely hate this. I it, it it upsets me every Sabbath that or every Saturday or every Sunday that that churches ask for money for offering and they don't say something along the lines of, "If you're a visitor here, you we don't want your money." Basically, like if you're a visitor here, you're welcome to give, but feel no pressure to give. Uh, because we, in other words, I wish we would make it a more emphasis that we care about people more than their wallets. We, we just want you, we're just glad you're here. Yeah, we're, we're just happy we're here. here. Please don't feel pressured. And again, I go back to that's, you know, when you have something in the back, um, I know a lot of churches have like a digital thing now, and then they also have the basket. But to me, just have something in the back where there's no pressure, there's no 
Yeah, um, but if you don't have pressure, then people don't give. I will say that the uh, the traditional offering method does have a higher return rate statistically. Uh, this is true. Because you're, you're making but it as easy as possible for people yeah, to give it up. And it's a cultural... I think it is a cultural thing. And again, I'm not saying that this will work at every church. Um, I just I just look at it and say, well, this is why people have an issue with it. You know, this is why it, it, it there's a lot of things that I think we could do better with it. And and here's here's my other thing I will say about money. I have never given I have given quite a lot of my own personal finances helping out and I don't advertise it. Um and I and how do I say this? I'm very particular about where and how I give. Yeah. Um I have never outgiven God. I have never given and not received more back from him. I think I think tithing is definitely um, an act of faith. Yeah. If I'm giving 10% of my income up that could go to something else like that's an act of faith. Yeah. Absolutely. I I I was 25-year-old kid coming out of college with a decent credit score, not great. And I bought a house. Um, I don't know hardly any of my peers that can say that. Um, not only that, but I had a stable. Tony's peers. Pretty were, he's calling you out. I'm so calling you out. Meet us after school in the I, alley at 3 p.m. Nothing, on Friday, and you can beat him up. It had nothing to do with my skills and my ability. I believe, I truly believe that it was a gift from God. And, and again, I had no problem giving tithe. I had no problem giving back. I had no problem investing my own money beyond tithe. Um, into into my kids, into my church, into my local area, and I found more often than not that that money came back to me in, in either other ways or even in financial ways. But it wasn't a guarantee. Yeah. It wasn't like these these ministries say, like, if you give this $39 a month, you're going to see an investment. That wasn't how I did it. I gave and walked away, and then God gave back to me out of nowhere. Like, it wasn't a direct, like, that's how it wasn't a vending machine where I like put in and gambled and and like, you know, pulled the trigger and waited for the coins to pop out. It was like, I gave to God and said, God, if you see fit to take care of me, take care of me. And so I will say that about giving. However, you know, I was never compelled to give by anybody. I was compelled to give by God. I'm not a fan of micromanaging tithe. And, and so it just, it just, it, you know, it, it made me, Money can be such a blessing and it can be such a curse. And I think when we're unintentional about it, we allow the situation to play us instead of the other way around. Does that make sense? I mean, if you want to explain it, it'll make sense. Like <laughs> we allow that reputation to come like we allow it what to reputation? happen to us of, of being, you know, uh, a scheme oh, you know, okay, okay, of, yeah. of this all okay. being a scam um, of, Oh, the church is just going to take your money. Um, you know, of not being financially responsible. Um, and not every church is this way. I know quite a few are, and quite a few struggle financially. I know a lot of churches that are just like, we're barely meeting our budget. God is blessing us every, every you know, month that we get our budget. Um, but, um, and, and if the churches are doing well financially, great. And we would love to hear any, I would love personally to hear anybody that's doing it right, that's like, man, I love the way my church does it. If you have those stories, share them with me. I'd love to be able to to be like, yeah, see, this church is doing it this way. It's working for them. Um, I just think it was something that I wanted to talk about because I go, man, we're doing well in some areas, but I just want to improve. Like I want, I want to eliminate any possibility for like the enemy, obviously, because we're dealing with supernatural element all the time. 
Um, but even just the secular world to look and say, you know, I really can't complain. I'd love to call them a scam, but dang, if they do not give back to their community, (laughs) you know, like we, we are not a parasite on the community. We are so much more valuable. Um, because of what we, the way that we handle ourselves and what we give back into the community. And you can only do that by being financially responsible. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are two things, there are two big things that really bother me when it comes to money. Um, I've already talked, well, there are three big things. Financial transparency was one of them, but the, the two things that I have left, um, one of them I'm okay with and I understand it. It just kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. The other one, um, the other one is just kind of like, I really don't think we should be doing this. I, I, I disagree with it. Uh, the one I disagree with and I don't like is I don't like when pastors or church leaders are um, investigating their church members and playing detective to figure out who's paying tithe and who's not. I don't like that. Now, I hate that. That's they're, a, they're, as a personal now, when, it, when it comes down to leadership, if someone's nominated for a position, we do have in our manual that they must be responsible tithe payers. So I'll have that conversation then. Um but in general, I no, I shouldn't have to. I, I'm not hunting people down to get their money. That that seems not dishonest. It just seems it it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I think that tithing does end up being something between you and God. But I understand the desire to do that. I you know I, the statistic, and I don't know where it is. Um, I think it's I think it's somewhere along the lines that if seventy or eighty percent of our NAD members paid paid full tithe. Our churches, our schools would basically be fully funded. Yeah, they basically they'd be yeah. free. If um, if we got just thirty percent more tithe, we would not only be able to pay for every student who's trying to attend currently, but we could set up scholarships for those yeah. who could not afford to. Now, and um, currently, if you pay, if you go to a school, if you go to an Adventist school that charges like twelve thousand dollars, it's likely that um, half of that amount. Uh, it, it's likely that per student it costs that school half of that amount more uh, to, to actually yeah, house double, the suit. Yeah. So if I, so, so if you're paying $12,000, it's likely that that school probably costs $18,000 or $19,000 per student, which means that that the rest of that, that other six, $7,000 is being funded by tithe payers. Schools run on tithe straight up. Like if you think that Adventist education is expensive now, imagine if tithe was gone, you're paying almost double what you're paying just yeah. to, and and that's unfortunately just yeah. because of the system we but, have to work. So in. I, I yeah. get the motivation for why, and plus my paycheck comes from you tithing, right? So yeah, right, course, like yeah. like like that's that's part of it too. So I, I get it, but this is, and this is I don't think we yeah. should be hounding people for it. I no, think we should be talking no. about it. I think we should be encouraging people um, to give as they feel inclined and and as a relationship with Jesus grows. But I don't think we should be micromanaging how much they give or um, or hounding them for yeah. money. But we, the Go ahead. Well, as as other church, we just asked our treasurer, don't tell us who she knew who. She was the the keeper of all secrets. Um but we just asked her give us uh percentages and give us groups like how many families, uh the number of families and the number like what's the percentage of people who are giving tithe. Um and and so yeah, like we had yeah, pretty average numbers, but we never asked like Who's giving the most or anything? Like we never had any details. It was just like, okay, what are we looking at as far as how many people? I think, and then we also cross reference that with how many visitors we typically had. You know, okay, yeah. See, I think I think our time. And so then the question because okay, well, if you're not if you're not hounding them, how are you going to get them to give? And I think if we have more honest conversations about tithe, if we have more conversations about money and, and financial transparency. I think the giving will come naturally if people. And here's the other thing: people give to what they believe in. That's the big like thing. If, and yes. If you're not tithe, if, if you're not getting tithe, it's because people don't 
believe in what you're doing. Like if if people aren't giving you their money, tithe an offering, yeah, yeah, tithe an offering. It's probably because they don't believe in what you're doing, and they probably think their dollars are being spent better elsewhere. So a lot of people give their tithe to independent ministries. Yeah, yeah. they'll give their tithe to straight up nonprofit organizations that are saving people from human trafficking or putting water in villages that need it or something yeah. like that. Like because they think that the money is being more directly used better in those organizations than they do in the church. I get that. So if we have more honest conversations and more people get involved in the in those financial conversations, I think we can increase, and I think we can increase in a faithful and spiritual way. People, people give to vision. And I think the other yeah. thing, we don't ask God for the money. Like, I think, yes, ask people. God, wa- God wants to start with us because he wants us to get the blessing from giving that money. Because the reality yeah. is, again, if you give to God, there is a blessing that will come from it either from you just just the act of giving or from something being returned to you. Um, but I will also say this. When I started up a ministry with my young adults, every ministry started up, I said, we're going to go into zero budget. If we want something, we're going to pray and we're going to ask about it. And what I, my vision for the church is for three months, instead of saying all the things we need to pay for, let's show all the things we are doing. So instead of talking about maintenance, let's talk about ministry. Let's let's literally say last week these are the and and show, you know, pictures of all the things we're doing and all the ministries that we're we're doing. And that of course required that we had to do ministry. So it it kind of got people up <laughs> oh, on their butts. Yeah, to do stuff now. We have to do something. I did something last week. And so it required that. And Pastor, I, said, I sat through your sermon last week. Shouldn't that be enough? I stayed sometimes awake. That is a ministry. I I did a really good job. <laughs> I increased the sleep levels. Sabbath became a day of rest when I was preaching. That's right. Um, but the reality is like, what if we try that for three months, for three months straight or six months straight or a year straight? I would have lo- loved a year. I would have taken three months and just did that. Instead of saying we need to pay for the lights, we need to pay for the air conditioning. We need to pay. What if we just showed what we were doing and said, if you want to be a part of this, there's, there's a place to give. Yeah. Like here's, here's where to give. If you want to get involved, if you want to, to, to like have an ownership because the reality is like if you want to build a building, sell bricks, right? Like sell and get people to write their name on the bricks, which is, it's a symbol. I mean, it's cheap. Yeah. And yeah, people should be giving out of the goodness of their hearts, but it's like, yeah, give them a little reason to show. See, this is, we gave and here's the brick. Right. And, and it's like proof. It's like, it gives back to the people who say, yeah, you're invested in this. You're going to treat the building nicer because your name is on it. Why don't we do that with our other ministries? And I'm not saying we have to like, you know, sharpie, you know, people's names on the kids that we bring to our youth group events. Every ministry is now Compassion International and you must adopt a ministry. Allow them to kind of adopt a ministry. Yeah, a little bit like, hey, you know, if you want to get if you want to get involved in these amazing things, like look at what we're doing. We're doing amazing things. Do you do you want to help? You want to be in? Because people are way more interested in joining a party that's already going than in starting something. You know? Like like people rarely start a parade. That's very hard to do. People totally join in a parade that's going by. They're like, oh this looks like fun and they they jump in, right? It's way you're all people are already doing that. And the majority of churches do have ministries that are going on. It's like why not highlight those? Yeah. The um, the last thing that I have a problem with, and I might get in trouble for this one actually, but I don't care, 
Um, this is something I wrestle with, but it's something that I always have to remind myself that I'm not. This is this is what reminds me that my employment is not a standard job. It's not a standard employee-employer relationship. There is a spiritual component to it. Before you go, I just want to say I really had a motivating factor to like when you said it to just verbally like bleep and just <laughs> just I'm not going to, but I just want everyone to know that that was what went through my head. All right, continue. Um, and it's this. Uh, imagine if you're working in a job, you're an accountant, you're a police officer, I don't know, you're whatever. I guess if you're paid by the state, it, this is kind of the same thing. It, taxes would be the same thing as this. Um, it bothers me. It just, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth that the organization I'm, I'm paid by requires me to give 10% of that pay back to them in order to keep being employed by them. Just on a, on a, on a base, like, no context level, that, that does bug me. That you're paying me and then telling me that that in order to keep my job, I must give you ten percent. I have to give you ten percent back. Now, this is where the spiritual component comes in on that, which is um, that it that it is spiritual. Like giving tithe is is giving money to God. It is giving money to God's ministry, and it's because and I work for this company because I fully believe in what the company is doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm willing to give that ten percent. It, but but and, and, if you think you, about it as a leader, yeah, you should. Like, yeah, it's, you, it's leading by example. Pe- if you work for Pepsi, you shouldn't be walking around in a Coke shirt. You know, like that's a that's a no no. Like you support your brand. I get that. Yeah, it's just like at the base level. If there's someone out there who feels that way, I I want you to know you're not the only one. Yeah. There are many of us who do feel this way. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't pay. Uh, I'm it, just saying that it just feels weird, it's and like I a, understand why it feels weird. For sure. Like To give an example, I was a theology major in college, in my undergrad, but because I lived on campus, I was required to go to our Vesper service, and I hated going to our Vesper service. had nothing to do with the worship experience or the speakers or anything. I hated it because I was required to do it. The minute I was not required to do it, the minute I got off campus and I was not required I loved going to that became my favorite day of the week. And it was so weird to me to be like, why is this something I love and support? And and I would convince other people who weren't going to go to be like, come on, d- just go. Even if you don't get credit, just, just come like you're going to meet God here. Like, this is awesome. You know, yeah. come to my apartment afterwards and we'll, we'll sing songs. We'll hang out. Like, like absolutely. Like, let's do this. It was because I like the fact that I was required to do it. It, it took a little bit of the joy out of it because it was like, do this awesome thing or else. And part of me, and maybe it's just because I'm contrarian, you know, I'm a PK so that there's that little rebellion spirit in me. It was just like, well then I don't want to now because yeah. you're telling me to, because I, I, I agree with you. I a hundred percent support, but it's that principle of like, do this or we'll fire you. And give at the us same part time, of the money we give you or we'll fire yeah, you. Yeah. And it's because at the same time, I'm like, man, I can't ask, my congregation, and especially as a youth pastor, I can't look at my kids and tell them to do something I'm not willing to do. Mm. Um, I've had friends who have changed their lifestyles, things that they do not necessarily agree with or think. And I've done this quite a bit myself in, with certain things, um, you know, certain little things that I don't really see as a problem. However, I know that these I'm asking these kids to not. And so I have, I have, discipline myself to not do them specifically because I want to be able to, I, I want to be able to say and look in their eyes with honesty and authenticity. 
I am not asking you to do something I have not already sacrificed myself or not do myself or have done for myself. And it's one of the reasons why I, I'm you know, trying to get into shape. I'm trying to be better about my health. Um, I'm trying to be better about my own personal finances and my own fiscal yeah. you know, transparency in my personal life. Absolutely. Uh, not because, oh, I want to be able to be you know, better off and have stocks and bonds and all that. Yeah, that'd be nice. But because I can't give what I am not willing to give. At the same time, I totally agree with you. It's like, yeah, you, you're making me do this. I just, just a part of me is like, nah. Yeah. Um. So I, I, like I said, not down. Like we're not ragging on it because we don't like it. We're ragging on because we want things to be better. Um. And I'm just being like that last one. That last on one wasn't either. even something to improve on. I just yeah. wanted to let people know that is a tension we live in. And if you feel that tension, if you're a pastor listening and you feel that tension, you're not the only one. Uh, that wasn't really anything to yeah. improve or change. It was just it is, and we live with that reality. It's something that you have to live with, yeah. yeah. And it's a sacrifice. And again, I go back to you know a sacrifice. It makes for me. It makes tithe, my tithe, a sacrifice. Um, and it's totally worth it because the Levites, by the way, weren't required to pay tithe, but. I'm totally willing to do it because for me, it, it gives a double meaning. Um, it makes it more, more meaningful when I do it for me. And so I really like, it's not something that I've struggled with, with God at all. Like, that's not something that I've yeah. sat there and be like, why do I have to give? I'm like, man, God, this is, this is, this is a, a way of saying how much I love you. Like a way of saying, like I'm, I'm invested in this thing because I not only want to pay for myself, but I want to pay for other people to spread this gospel. Like if I can help out with not only my time and my life because I've dedicated my life to this, and my yeah. brain um, to this this school stuff that's just sucking my will to exist. Um, the papers are hard. Papers are, are long and boring. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Um, but the reality is, like, yeah, if I'm, I gave up my dream. Um, of of being an actor and being an entertainer and being a comedian to be a pastor and now I'm giving up part of that that ministry because I believe so much in it and there's a blessing to come from that and and as lay people I would even do that as a lay person I wouldn't do it just because I'm a minister I would do it as a lay person because I believe so much in it and I just think if we can do this better man how many how many more people would give to vision if you were like this is how amazing our church can be if we all pitched in like if yeah. we all just pitched in and gave for just a year just one year let's just dedicate one year and all pitch in let's see what we can do and i like i i would guarantee i'd be willing to put my reputation on the line as little as that is right now and guarantee <laughs> we would see so many incredible changes if we just make this like like miracles i'll even say like miracles supernatural events would happen because people were willing to to dedicate so much to God. And okay. and it's just like it's awesome to think that that can happen if we just change a little bit. It causes us to live with intentionality and I think this is a a good point to close on um which is uh in the same way the Sabbath calls you to live the other 6 days of your week intentionally so that you're prepared for the Sabbath. Uh, tithing and, and giving back money to the church is a part of budgeting, and budgeting calls you to live intentionally in a with your finances. Tithing, if I'm giving an extra, extra you know, several hundred dollars a month to something, it means that um, 
like I don't think as tithe, I don't think of tithe as a bill, and bills are a different kind of commitment to me. Yeah, They're a different sure. kind of fiscal responsibility. Tithe, I the my mindset with tithe is it's coming from my disposable income, not the income that is already set aside for my bills. So, um, and um, if that's the case, then I that's the money that's coming from like my I'm buying food today, I'm buying gas this week, but not like my set like monthly subscription bills or rent things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it absolutely does call me to live financially with what money I have left because it means that I have less money to spend on me uh, or things that I need to do or, hey, if I need have unexpected medical bills, I'm trusting that God's going to provide because that money's already gone back to him. So uh, it does call us to live with intentionality, and I hope that this, uh, that this episode has called or has inspired maybe some of you to uh, live more intentionally in your in your own churches with the way that you handle finances or talk about finances in your church or handle money in your church. Um, so I want to I want to close out doing something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to start doing this every episode that we that I notice that I I try to keep up with this every day. There's not a whole lot of them yet, um, but I really want to start giving shout outs to those who review us uh, who review us on iTunes yes yes yes, yes. Uh, and Facebook. So I'm going to start doing that. Um, obviously because it's usernames on iTunes, I can't actually like give you a shout out by your name unless your username is like actually identifiable as someone I already know. Um, we're just going to say what we see. That's yeah, all exactly. we get. What you give us is what we're going to use. Yeah. So, um, there are two, there are two reviews on our iTunes right now. Uh, and more than two people listen to our podcast. I know that I can see the statistics, either that, or these two people are record are, are downloading my my show that like, is multiple a lot times. of effort yeah that, uh, that would scare me more i think yeah uh but uh caleb isley uh shout out to him for reviewing us and he's been on the he's been on the podcast before you can go back a few episodes and listen to him talk about the power of stories and his work with humans of adventism uh but he actually has reviewed us twice once he accidentally reviewed on the duplicate listing and then thankfully uh i didn't i i i uh somehow third like passively convinced him passive aggressively convinced him to review I never actually told him, hey, you should like leave a that. new review, yeah. but I'm glad he did. Um, so thank you, Caleb, for your review. And then also someone named Vim Viv, V-I-M-V-I-V. Uh, she also, um, I happen to know who this is because I think the same person also left a Facebook review. I just don't have my Facebook in front of me to be able to see it. Thank you guys so much for your reviews. Really appreciate it. And to Vim Viv, whoever your friend is that suggested the podcast, shout out to her or him. Uh, as well. Uh, um, thank you guys so much for listening. And I'm really excited because in your review, you said uh, uh, you love how the Ryan and the guests aren't afraid to really dive into issues. And I'm not making fun of you. That's kind of cool. I've never been called the Ryan. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Now I have a big head and can't walk out the door. But no, thank you guys can, so much. I can for, see it expanding in front of me. My right headphones now. are about to Incredible. break. So thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for reviewing. Uh, really appreciate you. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, we would appreciate it. Uh, also, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. Uh, if you want to donate financially, support us financially. All the money goes right back into this podcast and, and making it happen. Uh, whether it's improving, maybe hiring someone to do better editing than I do, because I had, have had to learn this from the ground up. Uh, we also have Facebook, facebook.com slash absurdity podcast. You can find Tony on Twitter at, at Tony underscore nobly. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan 180 Becker. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, feedback for us, suggestions, or you disagree on anything we talk about, Please, I invite yeah. disagreement. So if you want to come on and talk to me about all the ways we're wrong, I mean, you're wrong, but that's fine. Um, you can come on. I'd love to listen to you. Just email me Ryan 180 Becker or tweet at me. Uh, but Ryan180Becker at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. 
Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.